Welcome to Cultural Marxism, an ongoing series where we consume the mass cultures that you don't have to, but in this case, really do. My name is Jorge Rocha. And I'm Aaron Thorpe. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the new show, Andor, on Disney+. And we're joined by two guests, Marvin Gonzalez and Kumar Salehi. Um, Marvin? is the president of the Campaign Workers Guild, founder and secretary of the Repatriotas nonprofit, and is, I guess, on the National Political Committee of a very small org known as DSA. How are you doing, Marvin? I'm good. I'm also on the local leadership of NYC DSA, and this is my second time here, and I'm happy. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. And Kumars is visiting assistant professor at St. Lawrence University, has a PhD in German literature and culture from Berkeley, and is co-host of the podcast Delete Your Account, which us, myself and Aaron, and also Jamie, who couldn't be here today, have been on. But thank you for coming on our show this time, Kumars. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, first time, long time. And uh, time, I always love chatting oh, yeah. with you guys, and I think Marv is pretty swell too, so this is a real treat. Yeah, and, um, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, audience, listener, um, you know, Jorge just gave you the credentials, the very qualified credentials of our two guests, very two fine, intelligent, smart, funny guests, because uh, they're necessary because we're going to be talking about the highest form of uh, cultural <laughs> media in today's society, which is Disney's Star Wars. I'm going to say Disney's Star Wars now. Does that annoy you when I say that as a, as a, no. as a hater? I, I'll say this, and maybe this will be acceptable to you. <laughs> You can call it Disney Star Wars as long as we're talking about the Star Wars that was produced post-acquisition by Disney. Because I actually think that is a useful distinction. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. if those terms are acceptable to you, then I certainly agree. Actually, why don't we... Uh why don't we just set it up? Why don't y'all set it up for me? Because I guess I'm, as people know, I like Star Trek a lot. And there's like, uh, it's a joke, but there's like classical, historical, age-old beef between Trekkies and I don't know what Star Wars fans are called. But um, it's all bullshit. Is I mean, it, both, is, it, is, it a, is it a joke? I don't know about if it's just a joke. It's, people, it's not. People def, people, be, people def be hating. Yeah, people do hate. It's not. It's a joke in the sense, at least, where there's not like you know, it's not like it's not like ethnic violence or anything like that or gay violence, you know. But it is. It is like. I mean, it's like a little, little, little uh, stochastic terrorist by the Trekkie. Yeah, yeah. But but I would you Honestly, guys. Uh, I think that we have. There's greater animosity. Sorry to interrupt, but there's probably on that note greater animosity between Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans on one hand and all the other people that don't really care that like every time you know it's star wars day they're like live long and prosper or whatever yeah and yeah. uh i think that's probably the 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 shared front around which we can unite but uh, you're right I, there is some rivalry there i i did want to hear because like i I totally came here knowing that Aaron was a hater and yeah. I, I kind of expected me to be the only actual Star Wars fan. But yeah. I will say that I'm also a Star Trek fan, as, you know, Jorge and Aaron know. But I also think that, like, there's also a lot of animosity between, like, Star Trek fans and Star Trek fans. Like, I will totally <laughs> go on the record and just say that I think, like, n uh, the next gen generation is garbage. Like, I don't watch that shit. Heresy. I think it's boring. You, you, you uh, hear, you hear, you, does anybody, anybody listen, do all right, we're not going to get... Okay, so actually, see, Marvin, this is actually a really good point because I think that Star Trek, 
the next generation is a little overrated, but I think DS9 is the best Star Trek, which you do too. So you're right. There's even, but he's, there's even beef between Star Wars fans, right? Because the lore seems so convoluted that people argue about what's canon and what isn't canon. Is that right, y'all, Kumars? Or am I like, am I, am I just throwing shade at Star Wars fans? No, I think you're actually being exceptionally generous. I think most of what <laughs> Star Wars fans fight about is like, racism and whether it's good or not <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so let me no, ask a question true. it is in a galaxy far far away but a long time ago so are we talking about like a long time ago like what would be equivalent to like you know like the 17th 18th century or some shit like that they still got racism in star wars is that a problem well, the thing Colodial- is, supposed i mean to be a colonialism fairy- is supposed to be a fairy tale it's supposed to be a fairy tale it's a thing it's mm-hmm. like it's t- oh a long time ago galaxy far away it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. kind of like a uh in a structure of like a folklore you know mm-hmm. but I guess some people definitely didn't didn't get that narrative. Uh, Why is a Jedi it black? Like well, how can how can a Jedi be black? Like motherfucker, what are you talking about? I mean, to to answer your question, I think on Andor, like like Andor is definitely like racially coded, right? Like they talk about his dark features all the time. So there's yeah, definitely racialized. like on this show ways in which like race is tackled. But I also think that I I like it that you brought up like a long long time ago because i think it like show like it's a really interesting distinction between like star trek and star wars here like star trek is science fiction right that's mm-hmm. what it is star wars is not science fiction star wars is fantasy um, it's space and fantasy I think, right yeah. and i think that's all like i love fantasy i think we can approach mm. it on fantasy but i think that that's what like a long long time ago is supposed to kind of get right. you uh in the mental space for to approach it the way you would like a fairy tale right like mm. a hero long ago right yeah. yeah and it is very much like an epics hero's journey and tale too right i mean it's like it's a really a pastiche i guess of like all of those like adventure stories i guess pulp comics from the 50s or whatever the 40s i guess right that like people's great grandparents reading you know but also you know to be fair on the other side some of the progenitors of sci-fi were also big influences for for lucas right like this Mm -hmm. or like cheesy stuff right that you wouldn't particularly Mm -hmm. like to watch today like buck rogers yeah buck rogers that's when i was thinking of yeah yeah but I, i i actually agreed uh with with uh, Marv completely. I am. I've come to the conclusion at this point that sort of, it's almost that spiritual and like philosophical, maybe even as opposed to overtly political side mm-hmm. of Star Wars that um, makes it of enduring interest to me, or maybe like got mm-hmm. me early. Whereas like Star Trek was a little over my head, uh, mm-hmm. and and certainly. Um, you know, when I was watching it, it was not considered the peak of, of new Star Trek content. Um, but I definitely think that there's like this kind of spiritual aspect to mm. uh, Star Wars that um, that that uh, also makes it kind of fertile ground for kind of like we were, you know, alluding to more reactionary uh, and we talked about this kind of, you know, before we started recording that, like, oftentimes visions of the past are kind of a much more fertile ground for reactionary politics and, and those kinds of fantasies uh, in, you know, uh, certainly double entendre uh, intended there. Uh, yeah. uh, and, you know, I have great respect for Trekkies, actually. I hope you all live long and prosper. <laughs> uh, and I, oh, yeah. I do have an inferiority <laughs> complex on some level because I know my thing is you know, well, we can argue about what's objectively good, but Trek is certainly more wholesome and less mm-hmm. frequently problematic 
Um, I think Jar Jar Binks will probably always be the most oh kind God. of offensive and cringeworthy albatross <laughs> yeah. in the Star Wars universe, but I, I hope it does not become more widely known that uh, Darth Maul, whose home planet is governed by uh, matriarchal witches, uh, has a brother named Savage Opress. And yes, it is spelled no. wow. how you think. It's so see, this is the thing too, right? I guess, right? Is that um, you know, and I mean, I guess we'll get into the sh- well, we should get into the show first. But what I will say is that like, this is I guess why I'm asking these questions, and I want you guys to kind of like set the stage because I'm unfamiliar with Star Wars. I've never watched like it, I think I've watched the new, the first movie, the first old of the originals but i've never and maybe the, of course the prequels in the 2000s right but i never really enjoyed them they were just kind of like they just kind of watched them let them wash over me i was annoyed by some of the characters jar jar binks included but like um mm-hmm. i guess it set the stage like uh what like what why do y'all think that disney decided i mean obviously besides like money right but why do you think they decided to like s- s- uh, finally divest away from the skywalker clan right and that story that they've been telling for the past like 30 40 years and do andor and i guess to ask you guys more than me because again i'm not a star wars fan so when i heard they were doing andor i didn't really have any feelings about it i was like i might check it out but like what'd you guys think about that right were you optimistic were you a little bit scared and worried like i am every time paramount announces a new uh, star trek uh a series or something <laughs> well i'll tell you so i w- I got into Star Trek later in life, like pretty much as an adult. Mm. I was re- I was really into Star Wars growing up. Um, I mean, when I first when I first heard about this show, and I heard about a lot of the other shows. I mean, I was just kind of after Episode Seven. I'm like, oh well, Star Wars is cooked. I don't really care anymore. Like it's just like I like I still will watch watch that garbage, but it's like <laughs> I'm yeah, Episode Seven. Episode seven was the last one in the two thousands. All right, one of the last ones in the two thousands before no, they no, did the, no, the no, sequel. No, no, prequels. Is, that's that the first, was the first, first sequel of the sequels. Okay, see, this shit confuses me, bro. Like, that's another thing, dog. <laughs> like, I get like original series, uh, Next Generation, a hundred years later, uh, DS Nine around the same time, Voyager around the same time, Enterprise prequel a hundred years before that, Discovery. You know what I'm saying? For ten years before the original series, like all that makes sense. I don't understand this, like. Oh, the one the first movies are actually the sequels to the ones that were made when I remember watching them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's pretty weird. But sorry, uh, I got frustrated, so, man. This shit made me mad. Yo. <laughs> that shit, that shit no, is so confusing. No, I think it. I think I think it's uh, annoying for us it, too. I it's mean, even it's a, more confusing because like episode four, which is the first movie, only became episode four after episode five came out like when when or like a new <laughs> was really episode two as yeah, far as see? people then were concerned see, ep- you know like a new hope was only like resubtitled after like george lucas was like oh this is actually like a huge saga that is in my brain but like that was like when when it came out it was just star wars there's no like episode four bullshit like yeah. Like, so, like, you, a bunch of people, like, in the 70s were like, oh, we're going to go watch episode, you know, five, Empire Strikes Back. And everyone's like, wait, what? Like, this is the second movie. So, like, <laughs> just so you know, this is, like, a confusion that's, like, way worse yeah. than you could probably imagine. Okay. And I, I will also say that the time hopping is sort of inevitable because, again, Star Wars is a very backward kind of looking franchise like we in in the whole of the expanded universe canon which is called legends now it's been sort of retconned um all the large parts which of it i hate been, i hate disney for that i know we need to listen we need to talk about that but let me finish 
my point. Mm-hmm. We only and I'll let Jorge finish his point too because I really go a couple of hundred years into the future from the time of the original trilogy. This is like the whole combined minds of everybody, every, you know, every asshole who ever wrote like a, a, a new Jedi order book or, you know, whatever, where like Han Solo's little Jedi children fight the farmer's market version of the Borg. And I do think at the end of the day that it says a lot that you only go a couple yeah, centuries in the future, but the <laughs> lore of Star Wars goes back 50,000 years yeah. before the actual kind of, uh, what they consider, their sort of BC ends up being the, the time that the first yeah. movie happens, which in the end of the day is as oh good as anything else. Oh my God. Else. So but that's 50, like, that's like a couple hundred. So that's like, so wait, Corey, I'm not going to do it because I'm sorry. But so wait, just to clarify. So that's like going back into ancient times and our historical timeline, yeah. right? That's that's yeah. the time of no, no. deep time that we're talking about. OK, wow. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I bought this book that was like the entire timeline of like Star Wars history. And it was like a big book. It was like probably like like a textbook size like kind of like really big pages and like 300 400 pages so it's like pretty a lot of a lot of text and it just kind of went to kind of what kumar is saying it's like oh everyone started in this one planet and it's like then it's slowly kind of getting out there and it's like those are the ai ai wars and yeah this is the in-universe explanation for why there are humans everywhere they've just been colonizing it's like a settler colonial galaxy no Uh, it's really it it is like actually you know the, the the lore for the most part, it's like, oh, yeah, the lore was, like, so rich and much better pre- pretty much than, like, just, like, the origi- like than the, the prequels and the original movies. Mm-hmm. But because they were never made and then Disney came in and it's like, you know what? Fuck all this. And it's just, like, that's why people feel really strongly about, like, the retconning. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, uh, you know, which ties into my opinion when I heard it, when I first heard about it, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm pretty skeptical. And to be honest, this wasn't on my radar at all until people started talking about it because I just kind of gave up about caring that much about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, to answer your question, Aaron, like the, the reason why I think Disney is being a little bit more experimental here is because it like the rise of Skywalker is like universally panned. Like everyone thinks. Right. Like, is that the last one that came out, Marvin? Yeah. Is that the last yeah. one no, that, that came out? I didn't even, I didn't even watch the that last shit, one, though. I really don't understand why people still hate. I'm sorry, Marvin. I know I cut you off. I'm going to let you finish, as they say. But, <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but. Uh, but I, I really need to know. I mean, I, I sort of think I have an idea, but I would like someone to explain to me why people are still so mad about The Last Jedi, which I will admit I thought was like an okay movie. Uh, I loved when it. the last one, the whatever rise of <clears throat> the Skywalker or whatever, like it looked like it was edited by Lemurs in 12 minutes. <laughs> wait, wait. So what, what's what, OK? So I'm sorry if I'm going to be cutting. Well, Marvin, actually, you wanted you to continue first. Go ahead, because I, I don't get the hate with Rise of Skywalker. Maybe you can answer that, too. You don't get. I, I can't explain. I've never watched it. See, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't mean I don't get the hate. I don't mean I don't get the hate. Like because I watched it and liked it. I mean it's, like it's, it's, what it made people it's so considered upset. to be very poor writ, poorly written. Like okay. it's it's just a fetch quest movie. Like the okay. characters need to get this thing, which which they happen to find by falling in a cave, which happens to be in the right location. When and then when you point it, it happens to like point to the right starship that happens to point to like so it's a video a game. hidden. Po- a hidden planet where the empire happens to be back alive, even <laughs> though no one has happened to mention it. Right. Like it's just a, it's a really, I think poorly 
written movie that's like mostly like a video game, like I said, like a fetch oh, quest, yeah. a lot of coincidence, like not very well structured. There are no meaningful stakes. Like anytime any kind of the, any like remote like action of pathos, like someone dying or someone getting their memory lost, they immediately reverse it. Like they cannot commit to any sort of like tragic pa- pathos in the movie at all. Right. So mm. it's just poorly written as opposed to the last jedi which i think is also my favorite of the sequels um but no, by, by no too. means like a perfect movie um it it does also get a lot of hatred but i think that's mostly because like it has brown people and women in the lead like i think it's yeah. just like a very kind of and also subversive fandom it's, it is pretty subversive too like it, it kind of it kind of wants to go in the direction of um past the skywalkers where like the reason that this character is important is for absolutely no reason there just happen to be more important people like other important people besides the skywalker right that immediately gets kind of retconned in the next movie which is another source of hate um but i think yeah they're both equally hated i agree but i think they're hated for kind of different reasons Mm. yeah so wait go ahead or you know so so i've heard like the like I think it's like the first, the first, the first one, like the episode seven. Um, that one was made by Abrams, who like loved Star Wars, and it's like basically was like a oh, what if I just like made a New Hope again, mm. and it's just like literally like just substitute some characters and names, but it's really just the same plot, and that's why it's like it's it just like someone said to the point the reason that Andor is good as opposed to some of these other people who've directed Star Wars is that. Uh, the problem with Abrams is that he loves Star Wars too much. It's like he he's like, oh, I want I just want to relive my childhood, which is like he, okay, but but leave us. You could do that. It's a fan fiction, but leave us out of it. Yeah, and Tony Gilroy famously does not give a fuck about Star Wars, which is he's the showrunner of this of Andor. He told right. all of his writers like, I need you to kill like your inner child that loves this series. I need you to kill that kid because we're not doing that. Okay, so but see. It's a, but see, and that sorry, but see, you guys both touching on something that's very interesting to me, though, right? Because Abrams loves Star Wars so much that when right. he took control of the Kelvin universe, which is known, which is the Abrams, um, the Abrams Star Trek yep. films, he turned Star Trek into Star Wars. Yeah, like, and I they've heard. been doing that shit with Discovery. They've been doing that shit um, until Strange New Worlds, I guess, which returns more to the episodic, um, like, kind of uh, uh, format of the original series. But also, too, Marvin, you were saying something interesting. I think that, like, like. In Discovery, I felt, Star Trek Discovery, I'm saying, I felt that the writers hated Star Trek, right? I feel like the maybe the ethos of throw all of this out you know about the universe worked in Andor, and maybe to kind of continue, I think, what you were implying about Disney, um, this is like a different chapter and a different side of the universe that franchise that I don't think we've ever seen. I think Rogue One was maybe the first time. But well, this is a prequel to Rogue One. And this is the prequel to Rogue One. And that's why I liked it, right? Because I was kind of tired of like, I mean, I was never really into the, uh, like I said, the, the story of the Skywalkers. But I found it interesting that they just wanted to put a spotlight on these average characters that don't have, like, they don't have access to the forest, which is some weird, like, like racial categorization shit that some people just have this one special access to something in their blood that could give them power to the force or some shit. That's kind of weird, but okay. But, like, you know, like, it's, it's interesting to me that they focused on, like, normal people that were, like, you know, I guess, like, struggling against the Empire, right? Like, that's something I don't think that we'd ever seen before in Star Wars, right? Besides the Jedi, I guess, which, like, space cops. 
Well, first of all, let me just say that midichlorians is not the reason that people have access to the force. Just it happens that high right, explain your race just, Go ahead, Marvin. Go ahead. Happens to coincide, right? Like it's a correlation, but not a cause. Okay, wanna, that sounds that sounds exactly what like serve liberals so conservatives say. But go ahead. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> nah, but like, but like, I don't know. Like, it, what did y'all? I mean, like. So what do you guys think of the, I mean, I, I like the show, you know, I mean, I, I liked it like for the reasons that I guess I kind of outlined, it was a departure from story that I didn't never really cared about. And we'll get to the radical themes too. Right. I do think even though this is made by a multi-billion dollar company, let's not get it twisted. This movie is not going to make anyone start prison riots or pick up arms or some shit against the cops. But yeah. No, not at all. It's not going to do that. But I'm not going to be an annoying asshole and be like, oh, there's better revolutionary media out there. Like, I hate when people say this shit. Disney did not plan to make a movie for people to be inspired to rebellion to. Of course, I think they're riding a wave of rebellion over the past couple of years, which is another reason why I think Disney went to do it. But like, what did you guys think of it? Did were your fears, fears uh, uh, relieved, I guess? I'm sure. Right. Relieved from uh, what it could have been. You know, I, I kind of. I came into this movie ready to hate it. I'm uh, mm. sorry, in the show, ready to hate it, just because it's a prequel of a prequel. So it felt like just them, like, you know, and I love Rogue One. I think it's like one of the the better of the newer movies, like actually pretty exceptional. I did um, like it too. It was good. And I thought they were just trying to milk it for like as much money as they could, right? So I mm. was ready to be like, this is a completely unnecessary show. I don't need a prequel of a prequel. And it really kind of um, won me over because it's so different. And mm. because it's it's really not about like, and or in a, in a way it is about kind of um, how does like a character like Andor get made, which is a bigger kind of like I question. I thought Andor and so was the name his- of the planet, actually. Not, that's good. I thought Andor, that's, that's <laughs> right. such a good point because I thought Andor was the name of the planet, but it's like Ferrix is the name of the town. So it's like, sorry, Marvin, but you're right. It wasn't really about him, right? Well, and the, there's a moon called Endor, and that's... Uh, oh, okay. Maybe that's what I thought, too. a lot of really... There are also a Fucking lot of just really Star Wars lore again, man. Fucking shit Star up. The, the, the planets on Star, like in the Star Wars universe have probably the funniest... I mean, Star Wars just has the funniest fictional names of, of any franchise. There oh, are planets for sure. named... Well, their music is called Jizz, first of all. And, <laughs> they're, and, and they're, there are planets called Vixnicks, um, Young Bree. Uh, there's some Persian-themed like ones for some reason. Samovar, uh, Persis 9, um, uh, uh, Christophsis, uh, Epiphany, Clatooine, which is like the third or fourth. Cult, Wait, isn't uh, there Tatooine? Planet? So there's, there's Tatooine and Dantooine. Clatooine. Oh, this is their culture. You see, it sort of shows that there's you know uh, uh, some coloner, a colonizer <laughs> heritage still there um, with these endings of these names. Yeah, there's one called Bluetopia. I don't actually know if blue people live there, but I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> uh, there's one called uh, uh, Tangenine, and there's one called Chad. Which, granted, there was that was only a country and not a meme at the Chad? time. Uh, just like straight up Chad. <laughs> it's the only country name they just ripped off. Was wholesale. it full of black people? 
it, I, I don't know. I, my, I, it's escaping me. I didn't really do, I didn't really do my homework on this one. Um, there's also a Sith Lord called Darth Millennial who has not been around that long. So I really don't Yo, think you can. You already know there's going to be some fucking rappers, some fucking young, super rappers. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it would have to be a super, but, uh, but yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, like, like, see, but I don't, I what was going to say, I liked, I liked the, I like the themes of like revolution, man, and rebellion. I mean, that was the first thing that drew me to it, you know. Like, I thought that right wingers were going to play in and call it like the woke Star Wars, you know. Um, and I thought, like, obviously, like Disney is sort of like, yeah, playing on this, like the uprising and playing on like you know revolutions in the air. But it was really a lot, not so much even about rebellion, but also about like oppression and authority and how exercise of oppression and authority is like a sign of weakness and fear. And I thought that that was a really illuminating point. If I want to take anything from the show to apply to like real world political economy, I think that that's something that we're seeing right now and have been seeing the past couple of years. Like, look at the crackdown by the police after the George Floyd uprisings. Look at the um, crap, crap uh, the crackdown against unionization. Right. You know, and that's like. Yeah, I don't want to keep rambling, but I really there were no there were points in this where I felt like I could go back to some Marxist text and read a quote. For, and I don't mean to give too much to Disney, but the writers really did their job, I think, in like understanding how rebellion and oppression works. Right. Well, I, I think, you know, besides the pol- I think, you know, we can talk about the politics. But one of the mm. things that I really liked, and I just read a really good like L.A. review uh, LA Review of Books um, essay on this. One of the things that they talked about was be- on was Andor. That, yeah, on Andor was that um, the f- the first Star Wars movies they're like kind of archetypes, right? It's it's all the same story, right? It's the recursive right. kind of same moments in the story, and as a result, there's nothing kind of historical about it. One of one of the reasons that like this show works so well is because it does make you feel that. It's like Ferrix is a product of history, right? That there are historical things that have happened that have created a society that acts this way. And as a result, um, it has politics, right? I think that the politics, it comes from the fact that this is a show kind of about history, even though it's like a fake history, right? Like it, I think uh, Tony Gilroy has talked about how much he loves like reading history books and uh, watching um uh, listening to history podcasts, he even said that like the the whole um, heist thing was based on like young Stalin like doing bank robberies. Uh, That's to right. Fund, the 1907 uh, the uh bank robbery was, ex- I believe, explicitly name checked uh, in in an interview with him. No, I, I I totally I totally agree, and I think what was interesting to me about um, the way that Andor builds the world is that it tries to expand the world, I think, uh, without just thrusting us into, like, a bunch of places we've never heard of before, which is uh, what the sequels largely did. Uh, I think there's a lot of, obviously, different issues with the sequels, but I think broadly, like, a few things are true. Like, there's not as many alien characters. We can talk about, like, the kind of the politics of aliens and what they mean or whatever. Mm. But it was mostly just humans, way more noticeably than the prequels or even the original trilogy to an extent. And, you know, also, it was all new planets with, I almost right. I almost want to say no exceptions. Um, Coruscant. Instead of trying to repeat the same formula in new settings 
Andor introduces a different formula in settings that we can at least kind of relate to, right? We, we, I think people have wanted to go back to Coruscant for a long time. And I love that part of the show. Certainly. Um, I do love Coruscant. It's, it's really the idea of a a whole planet that's covered in a city is pretty sick. Getting more of that galactic C-span. I love that. I mean, that was like one of my favorite (laughs) parts of the prequels and honestly i sort of prefer that in a way to some of the other ways that the politics comes across in in the show i I thought it was a little preachy if i Mm -hmm. if i can be so bold but i do think that in general the character very very kind of politically sophisticated and i completely agree with you uh uh aaron that there's a kind of a dialectical theory of uh kind of power and revolution Mm -hmm. at explicitly expressed right there literally is a manifesto that gets read aloud at various yeah. points my boy Nimic, rest in yeah. peace got his legs taken out got his body crushed by and money that's a very hegelian point that uh that manifesto is, is like trotskyist lib let's be yes. real though no no, yes. no no not the manifesto itself but the overall yeah. view of the 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 show which is mm-hmm. the idea that power sort of is at its greatest influence when it is only latent and the threat of mm-hmm. power is a much more coercive force than the actual exercise of that power, which always comes up short, right? This is like in the master-slave dialectic or lord, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, knave or whatever you, whatever they're calling it these days. Um, this is the key part of the theory of revolution for Marx as well, right? That like at the end of the day, there's a sort of a give and take and you can't lean too hard on your authority without undermining it in the end. Absolutely. Um, that's yeah, a Zizek, really big I remember part of the show. Reading, I remember reading like Shizek like a couple of years ago, he references the Hegelian like master, like slave um, relationship. And right. one of the things he says is like, the father who hits his child has already yes. become impotent, right? Yes, he um, loves like, the psychoanalytic but, angle, of course. Yeah. yeah, the father who needs to child, who needs to hit his child and who needs to do kind of like corporal punishment only betrays that the child thinks he's a piece of shit and that he's lost control over him already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like to um, actually, Marvin, I wanted to touch I'm see if I can connect these two threads, these themes of rebellion and power. And you're also talking about this being an archetype. Right. And um, kind of to go back, it seems well, like I, I go, think go this ahead. is not an archetype. I think this exactly. show is good because it's not an archetype. I think Exa- Star Wars in general exactly. is like the whole bullshit, um, you know, uh, journey of the hero. Right. The space the, the opera. Exactly. A, right. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. So this wasn't an archetype. Right. And I think I'm going to fuck this up. But Frederick Jameson, I think when he talks about like um, like culture and postmodernism um, and also Mark Fisher talks about this when he talks about hauntology and retroism and remakes and whatnot. Um, it seems like 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 we're in this period now where content creators and for the past 20 years, probably content creators are just mining uh, previously established and successful IPs, right, to um, pull out and throw something at the wall that they know people are going to want to watch, right? And Star Wars, of course, Star Trek, of course, but Star Wars is not going to be ex- an exception to that. But you're Marvin, you're right. Like Star Wars is an archetype, and I think that like maybe there was some fatigue, the same way that people are starting to feel have been feeling Marvel movie fatigue, and I can commend them this multi-million dollar company but i'll commend the creators and the writers right for like breaking out of this archetypal mold and kind of creating something that 
And again, this is made by a multi-billion dollar production studio. I don't want to forget that, but made something that did really speak to the times in ways that I think like wasn't heavy handed and hopefully didn't go over a lot of people's heads, you know, because like you were saying, that master slave dialectic, like one of my favorite scenes is the prison uprising, right, on the penal colony. And when they finally realize that, yo, when we get released, we're just being replaced on another floor and realizing that, yo, there's like 5,000 of us and now way class consciousness less happening. Say again, Jorge? Like, like you, that was a, that was a uh, great episode of like pe- literally a scene of like people realize, like raising their yes. class consciousness. Yeah, exactly. And realizing yeah. who they exactly. were as a class. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a, a really great point. I mean, I, this is, I wasn't that excited for Andor in particular. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a common sentiment along, mm-hmm. uh, among a lot of Star Wars fans. I don't know if that's really Star Wars fatigue. Personally, I'm always like grateful for more, even if it's, you know, even if it really is just garbage, like me too. The same with Star Trek. I'll, yeah. I'll, sli- I'll like eat from the trough. I'll be a little piggy. Yo, throw that shit at me, dog. I'll eat it. <laughs> like you know, I just yeah. finished watching Progeny today. Was it good? I will. We'll talk about that later. I, 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 I want to watch good, Lower Decks. I, it's not good, but I'll keep. I'll keep. You know, going to that well as long as they you know <laughs> keep making those shows. Yeah. But Aaron, I, I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I think wondering i really have been wondering for longer even than it's been out what you would think of the show because as soon as the positive buzz started coming out i suspected that you might actually like it more than me because Mm. in some ways it's not uh i mean you know marvin was sort of saying this referring to archetypes it's really not like a particularly star wars show i think that they went all the way in terms of expanding the world remaining like respectful to it and referring back to things that real fans can, you know, go back and watch and and kind of a, a, a feel like, yes, this is the Star Wars world we're learning more about rather than just like a, almost a different universe with new, you know, planets and stuff. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I do kind of think that uh, this could have been about any science fiction kind of universe like this is in yeah. some ways way more science fiction by the if you're go, we're going by the book um and it could have really been any kind of sci-fi tv drama it just happened to be in the star wars universe yeah yeah that's a really good point uh, yeah man because i mean i was thinking of like what what star trek analogs and i guess the ds9 ds9 with the uh the maquis right you know i guess like like Babylon Five, right, has political intrigue, and you're absolutely I still right. Need like, to watch that. Oh, it's so good, man. It's so good. But like, you're you're so right because I, I like somebody said this is what I remembered um, earlier that I was gonna say. Somebody said that they heard another person say that this Andor is for people that don't like like Star Trek, right, and don't like Star Wars. And I was mm. like, mm, I don't really know if that's true because like this is very different in tone and even in plot from from star trek as far as i know in star trek i mean i guess besides the dominion war and ds9 there aren't really like any and maybe like one standalone episodic episodes in the original series and tng and whatnot there aren't really themes of like revolution and rebellion right but i mean once again the kind of expanding out where like okay i'm familiar enough with the empire right that that's all i need right all i need to know is that okay like this planet right and these people right and this whole sector this whole galaxy is under the heel of the empire and there are little cells and people fighting back every day and i mean that's 
all I needed to know going in. And it wasn't something where I had to go to like a Wikipedia and fucking read about all these characters. And I mean, I think if like, you know, if you want to if you want to like cast a wide net and draw in as many audiences as possible and a whole entire new audience and generation, this was the best thing you could have done. Right. As a best new installment into the franchise, you know. Yeah. And, and just to follow, because I knew you, you were, you know, kind of asking about the broader like what Andor kind of means in the Disney corpus. And I think it could be a pivotal moment, honestly, mm-hmm. like stuff like Obi-Wan um, which obviously we can kind of get into. There were some oh, things I, I really that too. liked I know, about that was, it. That was nostalgia I for me. It yes, it was pure like nostalgia. I'm already I think it. a lot of people I, are, I, are of Marvin's I view. hated it. Yeah, I hated, I hated it. it. That's fair. That's fair. I think it. Marvin I think hated. it made. I think it made Star Wars like A New Hope worse for <laughs> existing. Yeah. Marvin hates nostalgia too, don't you? I I liked some things. I liked Vader just murdering people, like when he snaps a random guy's neck. I never realized mm. how fucked up that sounds, but you know, like Darth Vader, like he strangled so many incompetent underlings. But I've always wanted to see him do that. Well, that's uh, why Rogue One is so good because yeah, it has right. that ending sequence that. where he just murders everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, I feel like it just undermined the tension of like we haven't seen each other in 20 years um to basically have another stupid fight right like the same fight that was in uh the the return of the sith right wait before yeah, we go go yeah. ahead can we just get do get a temperature check on mandalorian who saw it how did we feel about it i have not seen um it. It, there were two seasons right yeah okay so i've watched more Arguably, stories than i like I watch more one. Star Wars than I think. Yeah, yeah I, I I liked it. I feel like the first season a lot more. But see, another that's why again, like why I liked Andor, why I liked Rogue One. I don't care about the Skywalkers. I actually fucking hate the Jedi's. I don't like them. I don't think they're cool. I think the star of the lightsaber is definitely the coolest piece of sci-fi tech, like almost ever. But I just don't <laughs> space like space officers. cops. I don't like the Force shit. I don't like space wizards. I but Mandalorian was tight because. Like, yeah, it was like this dude shooting guns with a jetpack. You know what I mean? Like, that's very, like, very Buck Rogers type. Um, And I don't know. Like, I, again, I like getting away from, like, the story that they've been telling for the past, like, 50 years. I did like Obi-Wan, though, because of nostalgia. But it also, well, you guys are right. It's the same fight. It's almost like when Brian Singer did Superman Returns and he literally just did a remake of the first Superman movie. Yeah. You know? And it was like the ending got me though. The ending yeah. of Obi Wan, and I loved Werner Herzog in uh, Mandalorian, even though he was only in like four minutes of the show. I thought that was yeah. fucking hilarious that they got yeah, him. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty. Now, he's just, I think. He's I think that Aaron is now since the revolution. <laughs> at least we brought order. John yeah. Waters. I did not know he was gay. I refused to own a mobile phone for cultural reasons. <laughs> So yeah, he's, he I was like great. That. He was great in that. Uh, I, you know, first of all, I want to say that Aaron is absolutely right that the Marxist position is that these weird, like, priests, space marshals are like, fuck them. Like, we should always, yeah. n- we should never side with the Jedi. Yeah, I, I actually, one of the reasons that, like, you know, I, the, the Phantom Menace, I love, even though it's problematic for all the re- reasons that we've already talked about. It was like the, I was like a kid, 14, when I like started watching it. It was like my first Star Wars movie. But like, I really love the Clone Wars because the, the Clone Wars yes. TV show is all about how yes. actually the Jedi are a bunch of the like, animated one, right? Huh? 
The, are you talking about the animated, the animated one? Or one the, CGI? Yeah. Mm. the animated yeah, one. No, the animated not, one. Not the fantastic. second movie, which is uh, by far the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Um, I'm talking about the show, which is all about how like the Jedi were kind of just idiots and like at like at best like criminally criminally negligent in allowing the rise of the Sith. At worst, yeah. they were like collaborators in like kind of mm. this and like you you kind of see this in andor at the beginning right where like like there's just like the people who like are so like when when andor is a kid the people in power aren't is not like the empire it's the republic right it's the, the republic, republic is already right mm -hmm. so i i love that's my kind of the star wars that i love um it's very kind of dense uh and has like a lot of like um backstory and it's weirdly like like i love the fact that the 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 Phantom Menace is about like trade negotiations. Like I right. think that shit is awesome. It's a critique but, of liberal democracy. Right. But like mm. in the end, this is why I kind That's of point, hate the Mandalorian. Cause I, not because of like any of like any kind of storytelling tropes, but because of the way that it is written is kind of this decompressed style where it has no real lore. Like I, it has not, it doesn't have politics and it doesn't even have archetypes really. It's just kind of extremely like slow visual, um, like completely like enamored with like the image and just like lingers forever. It's like, like a spaghetti Western almost. Yeah. Kind nothing of. happens in, 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 in the Mandalorian really until like the very end. Right. You're right. Like in, co in comic books, this is a style of storytelling called like uh compressed storytelling where instead of like things actually happening, it focus all of the panels just focus on like expressions and like that shit is boring. I don't want to read that. Like I want to read like, epic high fantasy like i would rather take like um stories about like the negotiations between the trade right. federation and the confederacy <laughs> i really sadly like, stopped making these movies like the standalone movies because i would have loved to see the galactic senate banking committee a star wars story <laughs> Honestly, there's literally, there's literally a, a west clone wing, wars west wing version Sorry, there's literally a Clone Wars episode where one of them go to like the Confederacy and it's just them watching the committees like they're talking like they're trying to like do Robert's Rules of Orders. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I haven't no, seen I, the Clone Wars. I know what happens in it because I'm uh, obsessed and, and a huge nerd, but I don't like cartoons and I can't get over the stupid skinny yeah. lightsabers. I need my lightsabers <laughs> full. -sum. You need a beefy. You need a beefy, thick, yes. thick veiny Buxom. lightsaber. I feel like lightsaber. You need a, light you need a, light a light veiny dick, a veiny dick lightsaber. I got you, dog. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to back up Marvin a bit because I, I think, I think it's a. Uh, there is kind of these two readings of like the Star Wars like universe and the way you kind of engage with it because like people who feel like the the sequels particularly the ones that J.J. Abrams really kind of pushed this reading of like, oh yeah, it's all aesthetics. It's all like this idealized fictional past. Mm. Hold on here. It's like a fictional past of like, you have people like, oh no, we should bring back this aristocratic order, which to be clear, like the empire is that, but also like, okay, no, but the problem is not that aristocracy. The problem is the wrong aristocracy. Like that's, that's basically what, like the J.J. Abrams idea of like why we like like the tell like the that's like the reading from it. It's mm -hmm. like oh we need to have the Jedi back. It's like well no the whereas like the, the kernel of the original series is like rebellion. But mm -hmm. I, what I really liked about Andor is that it kind of takes it further that reading of like no it's not just a rebelling. It's like a revolution, organic revolution from below. And you know it, it is like mm. what I like. I think I liked Andor more than like any of the Star Wars I've seen, frankly. I mean, I, as, a, as a fan, but also because I think it's like, you know, I watch a lot of superhero movies. I you know, watch it. I, 
because it's like just you know fun to watch but mm-hmm. frankly politically it's horrible like it's like th- these are super beings these are people like you're, you're, you're buying into this idea of like a greater being than they're others. fascist and, i mean if they existed as alan moore has demonstrated in watchmen you know and a lot of his other right. work if they existed they would be fascist right no, and I mean, like, I think the boys, the, the, the boys TV show, which funny enough is on Amazon, yeah. uh, is like, does actually a, a good job of showing like, yeah, that, that is what would happen. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I kind of want to back us up and like actually talk about fascism and like the way that this show actually portrays fascism, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's really interesting. It's really necessary for me to like the way that I understood this show is totally based on the fact that like the prequels are my star wars and uh, i love them and i rewatch them pretty often so for me like the prequels are actually like i think they have a lot of great ideas a lot of bad kind of implementation of the story but a lot of yes. really interesting ideas yeah, in the way that right. like the prequels are kind of they're they're not that fun to watch but they're a lot of fun to think about Yes, I think that's like a really it's a key thing with the current generation of Star Wars, the good ones and the bad ones of Star Wars content creators is that they like it planted in the minds of untold fans like yourself, you know, and and myself to an extent, the seeds of, you know, some core truths that even like Lucas never accepted about his own Mm -hmm. universe. You know, he wanted to make the sequel trilogy about like force microbes or something. And I think that could have worked if maybe he got like David Lynch or. Uh, uh, you know, Del right. Toro, although Lynch was supposed to direct uh, uh, Return of the Jedi at one point, or he was in talks to, which I still oh, think would have been amazing. But sorry, uh, Marvin, I cut you off. No, 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 I think, yeah, that's those are all really good points. And I think that, like, you know, one of the things is, like, in a weird way, like, if you see these movies as, like, political, like, where, like, he was, like, actually thinking about, like, the... The, the kind of the end of the Clinton era when the first kind of when the Phantom Menace came out. And then the second right. ones really are like weird parables for like uh, George Bush and like um, and, you know, like to to a weird way, he kind of like he kind of guessed that the Iraq war was bullshit. Right. Like the whole the whole point of the of the prequels. Right. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, that, yeah. Like it's important to understand that the the empire does not abolish the republic. The republic is reorganized for yeah. the security of the Republic, right? So it's mm. not like a coup. It's it, he he actually envisioned like kind of this is a kind of a, a metaphor for like the the expansion of like you know uh the, the surveillance society in the mm-hmm. US, right? The what's it called? The Patriot, right? Mm-hmm. So this so it's interesting because for me when I when I look at the Empire, especially in in Andor, I think of less of space Nazis than of like the U.S. Right? Yeah. This is this is still like nominally yeah. a republic. The Galactic Senate is there. They they yeah, discuss their Mo- bullshit Mo- motions. Mo- we have Mo- Mon Mothra who like then this is what blew my mind. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, but I'm going to say what you're saying. Mon Mothra, whatever the fuck her name. Is. Yeah, I told you I was gonna know. I wasn't gonna know any of the characters, any Warren. of the actors' names. I'm gonna fuck up all of these names and pronunciations. It is but, funny because um, Tony. Gilroy was the one of the writers for Godzilla, uh, the, <laughs> really? the new monster verse, uh, the first one. So okay, probably, that makes you feel a little better. That probably is a connection there. <laughs> you probably appreciate that. But like Marvin, to your point though, real quick, I was surprised that like I'm like, okay, this is the Empire. I was thinking space Nazis, right? Because I know that mm. Lucas made their uniforms and the stormtroopers and all that shit modeled after like the right. SS and shit, right? But like the original yo, ones, at least the one. But yo, I was like, wait, why is she still? Why is it still a galactic? Senate like why is she still giving speeches even though everyone's booing her like why not just dissolve that shit you know but you're right well, continue cl- though you're, you're right you're absolutely right 
Or right. No, this, is, this is a this is a like a a parliamentary monarchy, right? Like if mm. if England yeah. is a democracy, then so is the empire. Damn, son. That's yeah. a good tweet. The only dissol- <laughs> Technically, the Senate is only dissolved when the rest of Alderaan dissolves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really good point. And also mm. important to mention too is like the original Star Wars, and George Lucas himself has said this. It's like the original Star Wars is supposed to be a metaphor for the Vietnam War. Mm. So if the rebels are supposed to be the Viet Cong, then who is the Empire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, yeah I think mm-hmm. when we talk about fascism, like I think this is show is, is absolutely about fascism, but I think I think that it becomes less interesting for me when it becomes just like parallels for like Nazis and and less about like the rise of um of like kind of this authoritarian state within like within like the u.s itself because it's it's not really a show about like a re like i don't think star wars at least as portrayed in the prequel is like a show about like a reactionary coup that happened right it's about how like how like atrophied democratic institutions um Mm -hmm. become become authoritarian naturally and slowly like there's like the 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 whole like you know this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause is one of the lines in the prequels well, would you, Marvin, then would you argue then that, so another thing about Star Wars that was confusing to me is the periods of the fall of the Republic, the rise of the Empire, the fall of the Empire, the rise of the Republic, you know, this back and forth, and right? I don't know how many times it happens. I don't know if it happens more than once, but it seemed like this is repeated contestations, right, between the forces of good and evil. But that might be a larger point to the instability of states, right? And I think, or just even the the exercise of power and authority right whether it's on this you know less nazi fascistic and more maybe u.s fascistic side of the empire or whether it's the social democracy or whatever the republic is but democracy i guess we could say of the republic but what i liked about andor is that like it it you you were so right about that flashback that i never realized and i forgot that that flashback in the scene where um, he's with the, his young friends and one of them dies and they're all startled and end up killing. Uh, I thought it was the Empire, but no, that's the Republic. Right. They take he gets he gets taken away by I forget this other character's name is mom. Right. She takes him away then saves him from the Republic. And the whole entire show is about how fascism and the suppression re- requires constant village village uh, vigilance. Right. And how. They can't always be listening. They can't always be watching. And sometimes they overextend themselves where you can capitalize on those little moments of weakness. And I think the same can Mm. be said for, you know, uh, uh, so-called liberal bourgeois democracies or liberal bourgeois democracies. Right. Um, I think that I mean, that's a whole different conversation that includes like real life praxis. But I did enjoy that thematic approach of the show. Right. The instability of 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 states, you know. Yeah, I think that's I mean, I, I think interesting. That's, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just really quickly. I think that's more of a part maybe of like the newer parts, because I think mm-hmm. in canon, like the Galactic Empire is pretty stable. Like it's mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the Galactic Republic's pretty stable. The Republic has been around for like thousands of years. Right. There's even mm-hmm. like yeah, the High Republic years. period. Um, mm-hmm. If anything, the show is about how like because it's so old, because it's kind of atrophy, because a lot of the. democratic practices kind of become performative it allows for like this opening for kind of the sift to to rise Mm. 
Mm. So I think I think that the instability is definitely something that you see in the horrible um, (laughs) J.J. Abrams sequels, for sure. Right. Like it's not like the Empire. Sorry, the new Republic hasn't really been completely established on fertile ground to Mm. the point where like it's kind of just abolished, like it's destroyed through some stupid laser and like (laughs) off 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 like like an off scene. But (laughs) I think that's more of like a newer thing than like the the prequels and the originals. Mm hmm. Exploring this nuance, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, and I think that the there is uh, a sense in which uh, Star Wars is kind of about. I think I hesitate to say this because I I, I kind of have to quote uh, Peter Thiel, who was once <laughs> asked. Uh, whether he prefers Star Wars or Star Trek, and he said he likes Star Wars because, quote, it's the Woo! capitalist one. Um, there's a guy who can live long and prosper with the help of uh, of of the blood of youths, of, of the blood of, of blood of children, fucking of, vampire, of, of the vampire. And uh, so, no, and I, he, I, he, I, what I he said is that Star thing. Trek is the communist yeah. one. There's no money in Star Trek because you just have the transporter machine that can just make anything yeah. you want. And the whole yeah. plot of Star Wars, according to him, which I think is a complete misreading, uh, it, it starts with Han Solo having this debt that he owes, right? And so he considers this like the pivotal moment that like. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been worth it for that him. That starts to take the hero's Luke journey. And, have been and in the debt. fucking droids, yeah, and Obi Wan. And but to me, the idea of the Empire as being almost something that, like, the Sith are almost at certain points portrayed as like edge lords in space. And the best thing about the last kind of decade of like Star Wars being in political discourse has been like the number right. of right wingers who yeah, openly yeah, yeah, yeah. identify with the Empire in Star Wars, and they. Usually they like, like ignore dog, the bad guys. Yeah, they ignore all the fun stuff about the dark side too. Usually, like the embracing the full range of human emotions and yeah. abolishing a puritanical death cult that you know we all hate. Uh, the Jedi must die, and mm. uh, <laughs> they also you know they focus on stuff like intergalactic market stability and monetary policy. And like I think Sonny Bunch, that that like tweed Nazi who writes movie reviews like wrote something in the Washington Post like you know maybe seven or eight years ago like the destruction of Alderaan was justified based on you know whatever it's the, it was the lesser evil to quell revolution and, and, and stop a wider war see how that worked out but I do think there was something for example very on the nose about Blake Masters ending his anti-abortion yeah. ad one of the last ads that he put out before his uh, humiliating loss in the Senate race uh, where he's like holding a toy of a TIE yeah. fighter, literally like the yeah, space yeah, yeah. Nazis and oh, going oh pew pew with his little sons. Also, one of his sons is like about to fall over, but somehow they get it in the man. shot. But that's neither here nor there. I, I do think there's there's that element to it where people who are looking for, I'm not going to say a materialist, but certainly like an economic mm-hmm. view of how society works can find that in star wars and that's also part of what we like right when marv and i were saying we like the galactic c-span right like we liked the idea of the you know the capitalist secessionist trade confederacy or confederation or whatever they're called they want to end trade taxes and regulations and totally automate labor with drones and clones and what have you and unknowingly they are preparing the groundwork for fascism under the banner of free trade and of course Mm. like what what greater kind of 
I don't, I don't, again, I don't think any Marxist has, has had much influence over the overall uh, meta kind of, uh, or the canon of Star Wars, but nevertheless, you have these sort of readings where you can take it one or the other way. Of course, you can say, well, right. then, you know, it's good. And without this, we, it would be boring like Star Trek. Yeah. But also, I do think that uh, there is a, a, a very fruitful kind of a politically ambiguous focus on the power of uh, money and um, and the economy in relationship to the state that yeah. constantly reappears, sometimes not to the extent that it maybe should have to make the prequels make more sense. But that was, you know, I'm sure Lucas fought tooth and nail just to get those scenes in the Senate uh, included. So what can you do? So, so you know, we've talked about like political intrigue, I guess. And you mentioned like, you know, Marxists maybe not be having much influence in this, the plot of this. But I kind of curious about... What do we what do we think of the the cameo or well, not cameo but I guess like character in the show uh, you know Vladimir Lenin I mean Luthen <laughs> who's like in, who, who's in the show like the 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 guy that's kind of like but you know the the it seems like the rebel alliance does well at this point I'm not even sure if it's like a real alliance kind of like it's proto formation mm. that there's no real leader but de facto I would say it's Luthen because like in a sense like he's the de facto leader because he's the one that's able to like keep everyone together and is able to push things along so like what do we think about this because indiv- I, I do think like his character particularly does allude to kind of like a really like hard-nosed real politic but mm-hmm. also materialist kind of viewpoint not like, like ultra left Saw Gerrera right no I mean oh I, I mean anarchist Saw Gerrera no I think I mean like there's like that scene where like uh, you know obviously People listening already know it's gonna be a lot of spoilers. But point of the scene where like they sacrifice Krieger, it's and thirty like, million. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, there's like, and mm. it's like, you know, it's a really rough scene, of course. But it is kind of like, you know, I wasn't joking. I was only kind of half joking of like there, there is like a, a bit of a analogy of like the like a of like what something what Lenin would do in a similar situation of like, you know, if that's what needs to happen, it needs to happen. It's like it's like we're not gonna sugarcoat it, but that's like. The, the sacrifice of the larger cause. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, like, what do we think of this character, I guess? Well, I, I mean, think, like... I think uh, Luthen is ahead, such a... Like, I think... I think Luthen is probably, like, the reason that I love this show the most. Mm. Um, he He's such an interesting yeah, character. Same. I mean, I... You know, I, people m- make a lot of, like, shit about, like... What's this? I, f- I even forget his name already. Like, the little... The trot guy who writes a manifesto. Like, um, I man, think right. that, like... Mimic, right? Like, I think he's like completely. Completely (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it. (laughs) Like, I, I, you know, I don't think the 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 manifesto is. I don't. It doesn't seem like the manifesto is that important to the resistance, right? The manifesto seems to be important to to Cassian, right? Like, it's an important because these are the words that he needed to hear in this moment Mm -hmm. to like to to mobile to like kind of give kind of an idealism to the things mm-hmm. that he was already feeling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, how the resistance of the rebellion is actually being created, like, it's more, it's more reflective of, like, kind of Luthen's real politic, but also his, like... Like, yeah, like, Sagarera is absolutely an, al- an ultra-leftist, and I love that about him. I love yeah. that scene where he's, like, these, the, the, the Gorman front, they're lost. Like, where he just cites all these... <laughs> yeah, like, he's that, like, they're that, all that, losers. <laughs> None of them are dialectical enough. <laughs> as, like, a, as, like, a Marxist that's been in, like, the movement spaces for, like, you know, over 10 years, that hits so hard. Like, I've been, in, I've been that person that has been, like, they are lost, and someone has said that about me. So, like, yeah. I, I felt that so hard, but, like, 
Luthen is still trying to work with him, right? He's not, he's like practical above all else. Um, and I do agree, uh, Jorge, that, that he he's kind of this Lenin figure in this show. Um, and for me, one of the one of the hardest parts emotionally, one of the like the way that this show really hit really hard is because like I'm I'm like 35. I've been like a communist for like 10 years. And in my mind, I'm a relatively young guy. And I've always I've always in the back of my head really have believed that the revolution or like some sort of socialist construction was going to happen in my lifetime. And I do have be I've operated with that assumption for so long. And Luthen is this character where he like he knows it will not happen within his lifetime. Right. Like he's not doing it for that. He's he he is like motivated. Um, to build the society that he knows won't he won't mm. get to see that and hit he goes me so, so hard, hard for it too yeah and i had to like it hit me so hard because as a socialist i'd have to be like am i prepared to actually do that because i i don't operate under the assumption that like i'm not going to get to see socialism right um i operate under the assumption that like you know it's a couple of years away like even though like i know that not to be true in my mind that's like kind of the the illusion that i have and like am i ready to discard that illusion and still like be a committed militant like him. Um, I found his character just very, very fascinating yeah. um, because of that. The last thing I will say, and I think it's maybe I'm disagreeing with you, Komars, is like, I fucking love all of the soliloquies in this show. I know some people find them boring as fuck, but I think like drama, like, you know, the origin of drama is like, Greek right. tragedy right like it's all about cor the chorus given exposition so i love a good show that has like a well-written exposition like my, one of my favorite shows is deadwood which is just like people just giving long speeches essentially mm. so i i loved how how many of these characters gave even even nemic speech at the end whatever it's idealist lib shit but it was well written um as well as um uh cassian's mom and i think kind of the high right. point of that definitely has to be like luthan's like speech at the episode at the end of episode right. 10 yeah His, no, I, I, I go ahead Ohori. go ahead oh oh okay um yeah i mean i think i really want to emphasize that scene i think that to me was like the high watermark of the whole the whole season of like just like that and like of like the the, the double agent kind of just asking like well, what what have you like sacrificed? And he just kind of goes into detail of like, no, everything. Like yeah. literally, I could have lived the normal. And I mean, the thing with Luthen, he's like a, he's basically a member of the bourgeoisie, right? Like he's like a, he's like you know, he's not he's not so, like exceptionally wealthy. He but daylights he's as like a historian, bourgeois. right, or uh, a yeah. right. art dealer, right? I'll he's say like, this: like a petite I, bourgeois I agree, figure. Jorge, but I think you could probably, if you were going to do a Marxist reading of the show, which why not? At this point, we're halfway through it, basically. Uh, I think Mon Mothma is sort of the uh, archetypal. I think it would be unfair to just call Mon dismiss Mon Mothma as like a liberal centrist. I think she's probably a bourgeois revolutionary. Is and she like? Is she the? No, is she I the Angles? I think that's right. Uh, I I don't even know about that. She ends up being. No, probably not. She ends up being the Angles because of the funding that she mm -hmm. gives to Luthen. But I think I see of, you know, people like obviously Andor as being representative of the working class, right? Like Ferris Ferrix is a, a very kind of proletarian city. Yet. They make things or it's mm -hmm. city, you know, well, all the planets are basically just like continents or environments anyway. But, mm -hmm. you know, they're like a, a, a very working class coded planet. They have a strong commitment to the percussive arts. 
and it's a sort of a, a proletarian uh, milieu and and hmm. uh, Andrew really comes from that I think that Luthen stands apart from both of those in some ways and represents that kind of that that proletarianized intellectual who is the dialectic. Who is a true Leninist vanguard and really can mm. set things in motion right. as as I think uh, everyone here was is, is has noticed um, based on a kind of a, a, a dialectical analysis of where power lies and where you can strike first to undermine uh, uh, something down the road. Yeah, yeah, I think I, you naming Mothma as like a bourgeois revolutionary is actually very apt because, you know, people joke because like, oh, yeah, she's like a space Elizabeth Warren. But you have to be able to remember, like, if she's like she's playing an act, right? If like if her politics are more radical than like clearly if they are, but if like her just just giving all this money, then clearly she's going to pretend to have less radical politics in public because why the fuck would you blow up your spot like that? Yeah, she would right? never do but that. Then, and and I, but 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 but. But then also it's just like I think the more proper analogy to Engels because mm. like if she's a bourgeois revolutionary then probably more is like I, you know it's not it's not one to one but I think it's closer to like say Marquis de Lafayette in like mm. the mm-hmm. U.S. revolutionary well, world. I think like Engels clearly, is pretty appropriate because not only did he fund the revolution he also fought in revolutions right he was a he was a real general in in like the revolutions of like uh, the eighteen the late eighteen forties early eighteen fifties right like one of my favorite stories is like of Engels just like fighting. Um, fighting these bourgeois revolutions and then losing and then just spending like a month getting drunk in the countryside afterward. Like he mm-hmm. totally lived the, the, the like world of like kind of this bourgeois revolutionary. And like, if you remember like Mon Matha, um, she, um, she eventually like has to like leave the Senate, right? She kind of goes completely hard and she like, they, they, they force her to like um, basically go into hiding because they're going to arrest her. And she, then we see her in A New Hope and she becomes like a real general in in the rebellion, mm. right? She's not just like this kind of fundraising figurehead. She becomes an actual like militant in this mm. in this war if, if we follow kind of the timeline. Mm. And, and I'll, I'll say too, man, I liked um, I like Luthen's character uh, only because uh, well, not only because one of the reasons he had some of the most badass fighting scenes in the show. Like when that mm-hmm. uh, when that imperial big ass ship oh, tracked yeah. him in a laser beam or whatever, and he kills these two Tie fighters. So definitely like a fighter. But I mean, on the political side, I I like characters that have this um, this little bit of kind of moral quandary or gray area, right? Yeah. Like I'm thinking of I don't mean to bring another Star Trek reference, but I'm thinking of DS9 in the Pale Moonlight, um, an episode where. I think this is the first and only time a Starfleet captain commits a war crime by poisoning an entire planet. And DS9 is obviously like the dark trek. And it is this scene where it's like, holy shit. And the scene where Luthen sacrifices Krieger and his 30 men and explaining why he has to do this to say that, well, if we don't, then I think what is it the 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 surveillance state will realize something is up, right? So we have to sacrifice these people for the good of this 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 thing where we don't even know if it's gonna work, right? We don't even know if we're gonna win. And Marvin, you were talking about earlier, like kind of um um having this illusion that you're gonna see revolution in your lifetime, and I think like we all kind of do because that's sort of like the only thing that keeps you going, right? Not that you will see it personally, but knowing that your efforts will lead to some some outcome 
maybe in your lifetime, if not the lifetime of your kids, maybe. But I think low key, we all kind of know like, damn, man, we're all just setting the foundation. And it was like heartening and endearing to kind of know that, like, I mean, this character in the show, but his character was like, yo, like, I mean, I could have had a different life, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the things that I, he I, I've technically had to do. does have a different does. life, right? This it, is what I love about the character. And this is now that I'm thinking about the Lennon mm. analogy, I actually think it goes all the way. Like, I mean, he's an intellectual, uh, uh, Luthan yeah. is. He's an, literally an antique stealer, right? Like he's a, he's a connoisseur of fine yes. art. And in a way, you know, that's the cover that he has to maintain. He puts on his little wig. He smiles all the time and whatever. But at the end of the day, again, like Lenin, if things get too hot on Coruscant, he can always just, you know, uh, go into exile in Switzerland and read Hegel. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was just a fascinating character, you know I mean? Like, this the show, which is really about a dichotomy between good and evil that's pretty plain. And then you have this one great character where it's like you as the viewer are like, damn, man, like... Am I really am I really siding with the guy who just sacrificed a bunch of people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, Marvin, like you were saying, like, like, if well, you not, are... not just mm-hmm. like the, the Krieger's not even the worst of it. Like the mm-hmm. whole point of the heist is that he knows that it will cause the Empire yeah. to like bring like basically make things horrible for us. Yeah. He's accelerating the contradictions. Yeah. Yes, he's, an yes, acceler- exactly. he's like a real accelerationist. Yo, truly he is. He truly is, actually. That's a good point. No, I mean, but the thing is, like, it, it is interesting because, like, he says it and every, like, nobody's like, no, this, you're wrong or, like, you're, don't you have any doubt? And it's like, no, I'm right. And then later proves him that, yes, he, in fact, was completely right. Like, he's just like, because like, I think there was, like, the scene of, like, why he had to sacrifice Krieger. It's like, what will happen is, like, they're going to be, they're going to kill everybody, they're going to be really triumphalist. And it's like, because they think they have to do it to then, uh, like, clamp down on any resistance and then like the person in charge of the isb literally says those talking points what yeah. explaining why he had to do that yeah, yeah. yeah he's oh. so interesting because he's also like super manipulative without ever being a liar like that that scene right. where he gives that soliloquy right like it's completely meant to to like manipulate this right. guy <laughs> to not leave his post but it's still completely earnest even when he's like talking to like Sagarer, right he's like trying to manipulate him to get him to do what he wants which I is mean, basically he puts a gun to his head <laughs> right. But it's still there's still something very like earnest about everything he does, even though it's like completely manipulative. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, um, I have to like really like uh, give a shout out to like Stellan Skarsgård. I think he's one of the yeah, great actors great. Of, our, yeah, great. of our time. And, and I, I mean, like, I think just like that, everything he's ever been in that I've seen, he's just been fantastic. I mean, like even like his like minor role in like the Marvel movies. I was like, this guy is just really not, like, I think in the Thor movies, I think he was just like, wow, he still manages to be like a central role in a scene when he's like a minor character to like a literal demigod. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think maybe before we close out, we should probably talk about the name of the show is Andor, right? So we should, we should probably talk about uh, the character Andor, which, which, which I will say I really liked his resistance to this idea of revolution. I liked his arc, right? This resistance to this idea of revolution, despite his fucking mom being willing to stay there and fight after they pull off the heist, right? He just takes his fucking money, goes to this fucking... He's like a red diaper baby. Yeah, he's a red diaper. He really is a red diaper baby and betrays that shit to go fucking, uh, uh, go on this pleasure planet where... 
because of the exact thing that he should have been fighting all along and got roped into fight, ended up throwing his ass in a penal colony, right? And that sort of growth (laughs) was fucking just, I mean, like, and that sort of growth over 12 episodes is something that, like, you know, like a show would take 24 episodes to do in one season in the 90s or some shit like that. You know what I mean? you're right. I really, really liked his character. I really liked just the resistance to this idea. And then actually, there's a quote, actually, yo, there's a quote that I wrote down because I liked it so much. And it was about... The black general, I think, the black lieutenant or general um, of the empire who is the mole, right? Who's the inside guy who helps them um, um, initiate the heist. And they ask him, how do you know we can trust this guy? And he says he fell in love with a woman whose people were slaughtered. And someone says everyone... The everyone the revolution finds everyone right, and I yeah, love yeah. that idea because as a radical, everyone becomes radicalized in their own way, right? There is some breaking point, right. something in your life that happens, maybe even such a book that you read, right? But oftentimes it's backed up by like real world experience, and the fact that he had to get his ass thrown in jail, you know what I'm saying? When he's reading like he's he's like like joining the brother Islam and shit, like he's reading the Quran and shit like that. He's praying five times a day. No, I'm kidding. That would have been funny, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he realizes yeah. like yo. This is like this is much greater than just what I want. So I just wanted to put that out there. I really loved like his character arc over 12 episodes. It was really good. Yeah, I do also really like that he that plot point that you mentioned that mm-hmm. how kind of literally Kafkaesque it is in so mm-hmm. far as he just gets randomly arrested. It has nothing yeah. to do with anybody right. who's looking for him and mm-hmm. uh there's no like secret evil plot there. I mean, obviously, the Death Star is being built, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, nobody even knows he's there. That's kind of what makes it scary, at least for. I mean, you know, he's going to be okay at least till the end. But it's definitely adding to the the gravity of the situation that he really is just here for no reason. There's some kangaroo court that sentences him to like six years at this place, <laughs> and uh, it, you know, we just see him do this power mapping. As he begins to organize the prisoners, you know, from the ground up, right? Because he knows no one's coming. And so he really does have to kind of work on 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 Kino Loy as like, you know, this is what you do when you're trying to like organize your workplace. You focus on like, who do people listen to and how can I get them on my side? And that ends up being a good strategy on his part, because that's all he needs. Right. You know, no more than 12. And. Mm I think that's a, 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 you're right, that that's a, a really good part of his character. Although I think the show really shines in part because there are other really interesting characters too. Yes. Like the Imperials are, are, are pretty well developed. I mean, a lot of it is like so, like, it, it's so clearly like office politics that I'm almost expecting to see like Jim and Pam. But it's. <laughs> very much like presenting the empire as like a workplace in a way that where they all fucking hate each other yeah where they all fucking hate each other cyril uh karn the uh, you know the mall the mall cop who starts trying to stalk dedra miro is such an interestingly developed character where you're sort of like to the very end i could really tell what he was going to do because it seemed like did he fall in he love just with her? Fit. Well, he he has, but he's mm. also like clearly he 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 wants to succeed, and he has like the personality of a suck up, but he just doesn't fit in anywhere. 
And yeah. it, it really I think does lead to something. He has to kill her. He has to kill her like in a suicide, like like a uh, murder suicide. Like that's like the only way I see that like dynamic yeah. ending. He's, yeah, this, I, yeah. This man literally sacrifices life during an uprising to like you not do you not you're not that person's not leaving your side unless you know unless you guys you going know, out I, together, man. <laughs> I think for Andrew, I agree with Kumar that like the show succeeds because like Andrew's like kind of can be kind of. Uh, he can kind of be tabled, right? Because there's so many mm-hmm. other characters, and in right. and in a lot of ways, like that's like the. I really like that the reason that he was asked to join the heist mission wasn't because of anything exceptional about him, yeah. but they needed redundancy. That's that's why he was mm-hmm. there. They needed redundancy because people were gonna die, and they needed to account for that, right? Like, there's nothing. There's, you know, there's nothing really special about Andor. The the only thing that's special about him is that he's like lived a hard life and kind of has like a a sense of power. How like and what the powerful think about like the the right. the dominated. That's mm-hmm. really right. the only exceptional thing about him. But otherwise, like it could be anyone else. And I think that that's where the show really succeeds in like. Um, its vision of like how like revolutionaries can be made that it doesn't really matter who the show is about yeah on that point I think with the Imperials also like yes there's so much resentment in the workplace but also I think it points to the political kind of critique as well that you know spite is not an insignificant motivation for fascism as Mm -hmm. we see you know from time immemorial but also Mm -hmm. like every day and a lot of these people are not really, like, philosophically evil the way that many Star Wars villains have been in the past. They're evil because they're venal and petty, and yeah. they don't want to see others succeed. And maybe they're also I, afraid because they, they're part yeah. of a repressive military hierarchy. I yeah. love that about Deidre Amira is that, like, in yeah. a weird way, I kind of rooted for her. Like, You're all supposed of these to. people, Until she these interrogates people are incompetent. Yeah. yeah. But like these are these are absolutely incompetent like fucking workers. She's like the only one that actually has a sense of what's happening, and she's like automatically dismissed. And the office politics kind of um, sidelines her. You're supposed to be rooting for her for for a good chunk of the show, you know. And it's it's weird how like even though like she's definitely this like fascist and she's super petty like there's something there's it's so well written that she doesn't come off completely unlikable either Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no she does she doesn't even though she's doing some engaging in like the isb is engaging in some like fbi under hoover type of shit right and she herself is engaging in this power mapping right which I mean, I was rooting for her because I was like, damn, man, like, I mean, I hope when it's us, like, there's definitely going to be somebody on that side doing the same shit she's doing. But it's admirable, right? It's admirable the fact that she could say, I'm going to look look at patterns, right, and see mm-hmm. what's going on where her rival co-worker is just trying to, I don't know, I guess, like, I don't know, do his job and just perform a little bit more, but not really trying to think outside the box, right? And I think, like... Maybe like that kind of commentary on fascism and on sort of like not even so much like these leaders, these like the the emperor, right, that initiate this stuff, but like the true believers within the system and these moving pieces that decide to kind of go off on like their own sort of like, hey, we're going to like do this, right? Or I'm going to come up with this kind of program, right, or this sort of um, raid or X, Y, and Z. And it's like... 
that's more terrifying than Palpatine, right? Because you don't see him in this show, right? You don't see any of the the big players. You see all of the people that no. make it happen. And right. to me, that's like a little bit more realistic than some Darth Vader in a mask, right? Like some big baddie, you know? But also, I, I, like you guys are saying, I did root for her, though, which is a conflicting I will say, I will say, I, I think, I think I, just a minor nitpick, mm-hmm. it's like Marvin said that there's only one, like, she was the only one that really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that's exactly true. Lieutenant Gorn also knew, and he was intentionally trying to make sure, because he was the one, on, the man on the inside, right? Oh, so he was that's... intentionally trying to make sure people didn't know what was going on, too. There yeah. was, I think there is also an element of intentional internal sabotage. Yeah, yeah. Lieutenant and Gorn's the guy I was mentioning earlier, the guy who helped them do the heist, right? That's right. No, yeah. no, I, there was a guy right. on the inside doing the heist, but then the lieutenant, isn't the lieutenant the mole that Luthen gives the speech to? Maybe I'm getting yeah. characters mixed yeah. up. Yeah, that but guy. But yeah, yeah, there are okay. two guys, there are two Imperial dudes who help them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair uh, enough. Uh, but yeah, I definitely liked um, that aspect of it. I liked, I mean, I just think it's a really, it's a really um, uh, nice thing to see in Star Wars that like all of these little even the tiny characters, uh, literally the small characters, like Mon Mothma's daughter, are fleshed out, right? Like she's this sort of almost like a, I don't know, she's like almost like a conservative from Berkeley, right? She's grown up in Coruscant, like the most cosmopolitan place in the galaxy. I love that about galaxy. her. That yeah, and her now she's doing these like... Yeah. Her <laughs> yeah, form of rebellion is to like, embrace like this fucking weird, yeah. like reactionary... Parochial cult. marriage rituals. Like she's some kind of like Gen Z trad cat. <laughs> it, it's no it's great and and i do yeah i really i i think that this was a an exceptionally um uh well done star wars show and i honestly think it might even just be a good show i think which so too. i, no, I, think I so did too. not expect uh necessarily coming in but it's a really welcome change yeah I, I think you know before we leave there are two things that i i did think we should talk like at least think about that I thought was really on my mind with like this shows in terms of politics, this shows relationship, like the way it thinks about like indigenous cultures and, yes. um, and like, um, like the, the, the metropole, right. The empire, right. Cause it, there's two instances of it. One is Cassian and like these kids who are like, you don't really know the backstory, but they're clearly like the, the product of some sort of ecological damage, right? That has kind of disrupted their society. Um, mm. And then the other one is the 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 indigenous kind of society that's around the bank heist. So like they, they, they go to that kind of a relationship to indigenous cultures quite a few times. And I thought that was interesting. And I think that the other thing that was also interesting and I wanted to hear your thoughts on was... Um, you know, we already talked a little bit about what's uh, what's his name, Car- Car- Carnal, uh, the the weird guy who's obsessed with uh, Deidre Miro. Um, mm. Like, there's something interesting that the show is tr- like saying about like toxic masculinity, I think it's right? Like feral and that, that like that that Cassian is supposed to kind of be somewhat of a like um. Uh, uh, an opposite to especially with his relationship to his mother Mm -hmm, his relationship to his community um there's something it's interesting that this show kind of like needed an incel character right to like talk about fascism and i thought that that was kind of interesting and also given that he's kind of like uh you know i hate using this terminology because i don't think it's apt but like a little bit of like kind of like almost a simp for like the the for the other character or in the sense of like just really servile uh to like because like 
she is like kind of like a stand-in for uh, this vision of like a competent empire that he's like really loyal to. And he kind of just, it, it makes it concrete for him that he was already always abstractly really interested in, but her existence as like a physical person, like makes it even more concrete and even more real. Like where he's just like blatantly uh, disobeying orders of the empire in service of the empire yeah she's become like the motherland right like it's a representation right that right but like right. this ultra page but it's not even like ultra patriot patriotism is as much as it is loyalty to her but marvin that's such a really good point i mean this is a guy that you could imagine listening to like some jordan jordan peterson shit you know the whole clean your room ethos right like truly like a fan of the intellectual dark web and I mean, and again, it's just like sort of an insight into like, you know, these aren't just one dimensional like villains, right? These are characters with motivations. And of course, they might be antithetical to like, you know, not just the uh, rebels in the show, but like mine as well. But they're at least like deeply explored to the point where I want to see, like you said, Kumars, I want to see these characters win. I mean, I don't want to see them completely win, but I want to see them get pretty far. But um. Is there anything else uh, we wanted to cover before um, before uh, we dipped out of here? I liked it, man. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was hooked in from episode one. I also really liked the robot, that droid, whatever it's <laughs> yeah. called, mm. the stuttering droid. That thing was so B- cute, man. B two or something like that. B two, B two, something shit like that. That yeah, shit was really like cute, that. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and also in instigating, you know, ended up being a a, a real participant, and was it sort of provided the instigating event for the final showdown by getting knocked over. Oh yeah, I just just want to add that that final showdown on Ferrix was a, uh, I mean, just like just the his uh, Andor's mom's speech, you know. And or she's dead, but like the likeness of her hologram giving that speech. And when she's like, you know, if I had to do it again, I'd wake up early and fight these bastards. And they're like, wait, hold on, hold on. We got to turn this shit off. We got to turn it off. You know, that 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 speech really made me think of Benjamin of like, you know, if if the enemy wins, even the dead are not safe. Mm. And the way that like she invokes like how like it's easy for the dead to tell the living to fight. Um but that she's still like an active presence in this resistance, I thought was like the first thing it made me think of was like thesis on history by by Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's a good reference point. And I do, I, again, I, I didn't necessarily like how thick they laid it yeah. on with some of the political speechifying, but I did, I think, I think they sold it pretty well and that that last kind of scene is a pretty good example of something i would have found unbearable in a different context but Mm. they've managed to really kind of make it into this climactic event i also just want to say before we go that like Mm. this show might actually win like some awards or whatever at whatever point i don't actually know when the emmys are but at some Mm. point may i hope that it is successful but it's already gotten the most important award it's not the critics choice award it's the People's Choice Awards <laughs> nomination, and that's the most oh, important yeah. nomination to me because the people decide. The people decide. Once the people decide, yeah. you know it's true, man. You know it's true. Well, uh, is there is there anything that y'all thought that didn't work for y'all? Like one, like I, I mean, I think we're all pretty much like thought it. I know that Jorge mm. began by saying no notes, and I was wondering mm. if there was anything that didn't work for y'all on this show. Um, maybe for me. 
maybe the one thing that didn't work for me, which someone did bring up in my comments, was that on the penal colony, whatever the planet was, um, that the fact that there was no surveillance, right? Right. And they realize there's no surveillance and or does in the episode. Nobody's listening. Right. Which is the name of the title of the episode. Somebody mentioned my comments. I was thinking of uh, my comments and I was thinking about it, too. Even before I saw the comment, I was like, well, dude, like they have this advanced technology. I know that Star Trek Star Wars does some things where, you know, the technology isn't too advanced so that the plot can move along, whatever. But like. You know, I thought that they would have had some listening devices, man. You know, I thought like I'm like, OK, so they're like just left them there to like conspire and shit like 5000 prisoners. But it worked for me because Andor's whole point was that um, oppression sometimes um, has oversights and it's a sign of weakness and fear. And we can exploit these oversights such as collaborating and colluding about an uprising. But that was just a technical point. It wasn't really like a plot point, you know, just a little pet peeve of mine, I guess. Uh, I thought some of the pacing could have been better. Um, mm. I overall, really? I think I it, the was, pacing was great. it was a well overall. I think it was a well plotted show. But for example, I didn't I didn't love all of the intercutting between the. Uh, the heist and like the kind of celebration happening when the eye was going on and that was I, a little it, bit it led to a beautiful sequence and I love what happens afterwards but I didn't yeah. love how the action was being broken up there even though it, it was making like an obvious bit. symbolic point and yeah, reinforcing yeah, yeah. the themes that like That's this is a struggle also on yeah. behalf of you know those who have been colonized on this planet etc cetera, etc cetera. and I'm like okay yeah I get it but like let me see the dead bodies yeah. Yeah. That's that's actually a good point. It, it didn't. I want to I want to like I said, it pissed me off. It didn't piss me off, but it was. And it, this is kind of good. It was agonizingly slow as mm. a build up and as a um, as a diametrical kind of a, like a opposition against these two different scenes. And it was sort of like, OK, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I'm like, dude, like, come on. But I mean, I guess that's the point. Right. Because like they're watching this festival and the meteors are coming and everything is building. And then finally, there's that big shootout. But um. Um, yeah, Marvin, was there anything for you that didn't work? Or in Jorge, is there anything for you that my, didn't work? My one thing is pretty, pretty like dorky, but I, mm. I really did not like that there weren't. I thought there needed to be more aliens on this show. Yes, um, mm. and, and that's a good point. And part of mm. part of that for me is like a Star Wars fan thing that I just like the, the that aspect of Star Wars. But I also think that thematically they needed more aliens on the show because, yeah, all right, I'm going to take it. You know, I said that before it's more about George Bush. But, yeah, it's also about Nazis, right? Like mm. there's an undercurrent of the empire of being white, uh, of being like human supremacist. Right? Mm. Um, right. And I think that like that should have been exploited a little bit more of like kind of um of kind of solidarity across species right um especially like there's no aliens in the prison what like yeah. are, are they like are they segregated if yeah. so you know maybe say that but like i just that didn't work for me i think both as a fan mm. of the franchise but also i thought point. it was a missed opportunity thematically 
You're so right, Marvin, because there was that one scene where Andor and the other uh, escapee were rescued by those two aliens. And that was like one of the coolest scenes because like we really hadn't seen them. I'm thinking the first or second episode, you know, I think we saw one alien that was like helping uh, um, another human dude collect money from Andor. But yeah, you're right. There weren't many aliens at all. I think those were the three I just pointed out, literally. I think that's a really good point. And I I would second that. Uh, I think there are two two factors conspired here. One is that, the as I mentioned before, I think the sequels in general have been light on aliens and Mm. heavy on just human actors anyway. And so Mm. by that, I mean Disney Star Wars, that's the uh, Disney era. And Mm. uh, also the fact that Tony Gilroy doesn't really care about Star Wars that much. It means that, that some of the details that might... Even though I think there were enough Easter eggs, I'm certainly not mm. like asking for more or more fan service. Um, right, but I do agree. think that like things like that are something that even Star Wars, some Star Wars fans don't really grasp. And when they're writing these shows, right, as, as creators, they don't necessarily, or maybe it's a budget thing. I don't know. Um, they don't go that full mile and uh, and and include weird looking creatures being treated like normal kind of sentient <laughs> human <laughs> human beings, um, which is an also, interesting dynamic in the prequels, especially. I think it's also because he wanted to have this like grounded reality that I think he thinks that like the aliens would distract from that. But yeah. like, given mm-hmm. how human that like that that droid was like i think that like and that we all love right. him and like we relate to this android's like loss over marva i think mm. he could have pulled it off i don't think it would have been a distraction from the grounded yeah. reality that yeah, he was you know what for. was a distraction the fucking vespa crew from the book of <laughs> boba fett where I can, we're I'm not okay talking with... about book of boba fett we're not talking <laughs> oh, wow. about book of boba fett. I wa- dude <laughs> i watched i tried to watch the first episode and i think i got like 10 minutes in and i was like i fucking hated it i was like i have no no i got like five minutes and i no idea what's going on the scene in the desert is going on way too long like what's happening bro but um jorge what didn't work for you i would say so i want to say i don't know if it did this wasn't so much it didn't work but rather just like maybe something i'd want to see in the future uh more is that i am a huge uh spy espionage fan mm-hmm. like i kind of like my one probably my favorite tv show although it's not the best show i've watched it's really good to be clear but like i think i've seen like for example i think the sopranos is a better show but my favorite show probably is uh the americans yeah that's pretty cool which which is like a you know spot like an espionage drama about you know uh soviet spies in america but uh the reason reason i bring that up specifically is like some one of the writers for one of the episodes is like was on that show but then also you know gilroy was involved with the Bourne movies, you know, these espionage films. And I think, like, while obviously in this show there there are elements of that, I think it could probably do more by, like, really just getting... Like, I would prefer... I would, like, would love if it really, like, like leaned in on it. Because, like, it is kind of like an... It's more of a thriller than anything than it is, like, this kind of, like, more high espionage drama of, like, kind of, like, more like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, where it's, like, you know, it's not... There's not really much action in that, but it's like really about kind of the back and forth and like the. We're not so the, different, you and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so I think it'd be interesting, especially if, if like, since it's a prequel to Rogue One, I think maybe season two could very easily have that, and I think would benefit from it because of like, okay, now you have to start getting actual plans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would like to see that too. I mean, also just because like, you know, whether it's the whether it's. Um, 
it's the senator meeting with uh, Luthen's character and trading money or whether they're like planning like to overthrow a prison. I do also like those elements of espionage and spying and like seeing Luthen put on a wig and pretend to be somebody else and those conversations mm-hmm. that they were having in the shop. You know, where I mean that was like really, really, really fun, man. I like I really I love that kind of stuff. I love the the details of like how he would have like a smile on the face anytime he faced the window, but yeah, anytime yeah. he didn't, he would just let it fall. Like yeah. that was such a great detail. Yes, yes, yes. It was. I mean, it, it really, it really reminded you of the fact that there and the surveillance aspect, like you were talking, Mar- Marvin. Not not as the example that people like to usually bring up um, of Nazism, but more like. A sort of like, which I guess Nazi surveillance, but I'm thinking U.S. surveillance, right? This idea that like anybody could be listening or could be watching, right? And you have to be careful. And um, that sort of overarching presence and terror of the empire is something that, I mean, again, I haven't really watched Star Wars, but it's something that I thought was really, really dope. Um, and I'd like to see kind of more of that like political subterfuge and shit too. But um, all right, y'all. Y'all, thanks so much for... Uh, coming on and talking about um something that i really wasn't gonna watch yo like i wasn't gonna watch the shit to be honest with you i saw i think i saw like the first episode and then i was like yeah this is cool i liked it and then You're i welcome, fell off Aaron. you are welcome no but but thank you jorge was like yo look we're gonna do a show on it um let's do a show on it so i was like all right man i watched the first episode or two and i liked it a lot i just kind of wasn't paying attention and i'm happy i did because that uh that prison uprising was probably i just have to mention before we go Probably my favorite scene in that whole in this whole show mm. is uh, after the prison uprising and they run out to the water and yes. um, and Kino says, I can't swim, yeah. you know, and I don't know why, man. Like, it was a little bit corny, but I like teared up a little bit, man. I don't know why, that but something about- because I can't swim. And it just uh. like I was like, I need to learn how to swim after watching. He <laughs> yeah. learned how to swim. So we escaped the Plino Pino planet. But- from but Elon yeah, Musk is a Pino asteroid. I was going to mention. Why would we I was going to bring that up. An asteroid, whatever. I, I was going to bring Maybe that up earlier, but I, I, I think that scene is like mirrors really well. Like it, it's a, almost exactly like a repetition of a later theme that Luthen brings mm-hmm. up. Of mm-hmm. I will, I, I'm, I'm going towards something that I myself will yep. never see. Yep. Like that character did not free himself, but he fought for everyone else's. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well. um... All right, y'all. Y'all, thank you so much. Uh, before we go, what do you guys have to plug? Marvin, do you have anything you can plug? And Kamara's, you can go uh, right after. Um, I'm a member of NYC DSA's labor branch, and we launched a union power uh, campaign. So if you're That's in right. New York City uh, and you are a DSA member, or even if you're not, um, but are interested in the labor movement, check out our union power campaign. Yeah, and you can check out Delete Your Account, um, which I co-host with the, my journalist friend, Rokea Shamsuddin. Our last episode was with the District Sams of District Sentinel Radio. They joined us for a, sort of a news roundup. We talked crypto, the Qatar World Cup, and how bad Cristiano Ronaldo sucks. Mm-hmm. And a wonderful time was had by all. And that's available wherever pods are cast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, we're on them. For your listening pleasure or displeasure, the choice is yours. Hell yeah, hell yeah, and um, you know what? Actually, we're we're gonna have to bring you guys back um, if you guys are down for um, a sort of uh, a sort of uh, little flip side to this, where we'll do something about Star Trek. 
Oh, I maybe 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 we could have like a, a DS9 Star Trek episode because Jorge, you've never seen DS9 before, right? Nope. Yo, dog, well, that's a you problem, would. Jorge. That's a yo, problem. dude. If you love, if you liked Andor, like yo. I think that, like, I wonder, you know, I don't want to get into it. We just, we finished, but, like, we're done. But, like, I wonder if there were any DS9 influences because I feel like DS9 was, like, at least as far as I know, the first sci-fi show on TV in the early 90s, I guess, that really was about political, along with Babylon 5, but that sort of political intrigue and, like, I mean, Babylon 5 even more so because it really is about... Anyway, that's a different conversation. Babylon 5, too. We should do that. We should do... We should have a trilogy of sci-fi. We should do a Star Trek episode, and then we should do a Babylon 5 episode. I have to make you guys watch that. That show is amazing. All right. I'm there. Well, thank you, everybody. But until next time, to those listening, do the watching. Do the watching. Bye. May the Jorge be with you. For niggas up in their mom's crib listening to this unadulterated nah shit Wishing it was them instead of me on a track on this beach with palm trees Drinks with umbrella straws telling it raw Jungle of concrete, killers and snakes I was amongst that Bundles of crack through this funnel that's black I want you to vision through my telescope See the hell I wrote as rentals when I wrap it like an envelope package And they was in the dope back then Numbers pimping and robbing Well they still robbing and pimping But it's small change compared to hip hopping And did I mention millions because a lip popping, trips, expensive gift shopping, whip driving, Benz's Jeep, see, them and they bitch got one is shocking. You thinking, oh, it's just rhyming, but all this time, it's like organized priming. For instance, there was a time when there was a line between streets and business, but now peep, how it's mixed in the beef is now sickening. Everybody got paper, words of power, because of it, the cops hate you, the government, watching all of those who thugging it. They want to lock us up, because the kids are loving it, not knowing that most rappers are straight ass, and shots ring out Whenever we clash in Star Wars We call it Star Wars What happens when the shots ring out It's called Star Wars We call it Star Wars Caviar never I'd rather the Cajun blacken, catfish, no snail, simple nigga to please. Met a bad bitch, dimples in her cheeks. She remembers busy beat battles when it was peace. Caught myself drifting in thought, cause now it's different, I thought. Niggas was raised off the shit I record, like I was brought up off that planet rock. Curtis Blow, James Todd Smith, Shannon Scott, LaRock and the Jams, why would they fuck with the dawn? Jehovah Witness, Tim and his co-defendants, I eat them like Lucky Charms, with 2% low-fat milk, 5% pro-black built. It's nothing mother had a motherfucker, I don't think about it, niggas talking, it's a lot of gossip, that I'm a prophet or I can't go back to my projects, can I? Does a plant grow from a pot, yes, do trees grow from a forest, MCs, y'all are clitoris, y'all niggas roll with any click that's winning any crew, doing whatever's trendy, even envy me too, ain't enough room in this town, what is beat between ghetto words fitters for crowns, Star Wars. This is a Star Wars. Shots rang out everywhere, Star Wars. Cause this is Star Wars. Shots rang out. This ain't no Oscars or 
MTV, a Jones River fashion police, not what you read in tabloid sheets. These are MCs that live out of code. It's hard for me to spit it because the game was supposed to be sold. We live it. Came from the streets, we the voice of the youth. America's nightmare was given a mic move. Nike boots, leathers and jeans, jerry cribs and cars. Rappers not dependent on your nine to five jobs. Entertainment. This is our world. This is our language. Different regions speaking. East and West gang shit. You got your positive shit like common sense, but even he had drama with the Don Mega Cube. Acknowledge the words get twisted at times as rules. What you think is different from the block whenever we feud? Fuck your pictures and your plaques, your tours and autographs. Don't trust bitches and niggas who tell you you all of that, cause they'll be in your enemy's face. Saying it's safe to run in your release party, spraying the place to catch you when you least on point. Putting your keys in the door, behind you with your Caesar KB toy store. Maybe the words get disrespectful, now your niggas check you. You gon' let that nigga play you? You know we gon' rep you next morning, every news channel with front page. Headlines, another rapper was slave. This is Star Wars. This is Star Wars. This is Star Wars.